Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. It is a great pleasure to be with you and a great pleasure to bring in my friend John Carney, Breitbart News Editor, Economics and Finance, co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest. John, thank you. So I'm reading your story filed yesterday. The busiest shopping day of the year is not as busy as retailers hoped. Across the U.S., shopping malls are seeing only thin crowds, according to reports in business media. Inflation and depressed consumer sentiment appear to have dampened the holiday shopping spirit. I'd like to be an optimist. Thanksgiving is an optimistic holiday, but John, I kind of... I I don't see much economic optimism out there. No, people are definitely not feeling very optimistic, either about the current circumstances of the economy. We're we're rocked with really bad inflation or about the prospects. You know, there's almost certainly a recession coming uh, very soon. And so I think a lot of people are holding back on you know, making big purchases right now. The University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment found this is one of the, people say this is one of the worst times for purchasing durable goods. And it's no wonder with prices up, you know, 8%, 9%, uh, people aren't in the shopping spirit. Yeah, I I mean, I let off with something I mentioned on the show before the Thanksgiving break. I just mentioned three leading indicators, nice and simple. But the Conference Board Index of Leading Indicators, nosediving, the M2 money supply growth, nosediving, and the yield curve from three months to 10 years is inverted. That's that old New York Fed model. Every one of those is a recession indicator, John. So I guess your reporting on uh, Black Friday is consistent with that. That's right. Look, people aren't blind. They see what's happened. Uh, in you know, to, even if they're not watching the yield curve that closely, they see what's happened to uh, to stock markets. It, it was up right uh, a little bit, but they, but we're down for the year. Consumer discretionary uh, sector from one year ago is down something like thirty five percent. So uh, the you know pe- people are not going to be shopping very much. The National Retail Federation estimates that spending will be up between six and eight percent from last year that's not even keeping up with inflation so real spending i think is going to decline for holiday shopping that means people will be spending as much as they did last year more but bringing home fewer gifts and frankly i don't think that's going to bring a lot of cheer to a lot of families i'm surprised the atlanta fed gdp now is looking for four percent plus growth in the fourth quarter it just doesn't jive with what you're saying, what we're seeing elsewhere, and the leading indicators. I mean, I'm, I mean, they have a decent record. We all sort of track it, but I'm quite surprised how high they are. Yeah, that's very strange. I 
suspect that that may just be a sort of timing thing, and that is going to come way down in December as we get more data in from November. But I will say there was some very strange data we got in last week. Durable goods orders, much higher than expected. New home sales, really high. And frankly, I haven't even heard anybody able to figure out what was going on with the new home sales. The, you know, We had mortgage rates up above 7%. Everybody expected the new home sales to come down, and instead it you know went back up above six hundred thousand uh, six hundred thousand uh, annualized seasonally adjusted rate. And no, you know that could just be a quirk. These things get revised, so maybe it's wrong. But I haven't heard anybody able to say why we would have sold that many homes in October. Well, the leading indicator in the housing series is uh, housing starts. And they're down, and they keep falling. And that's in the conference board's uh, index of leading indicators. So I wouldn't read much into the new home sales. Existing home sales, if I'm not mistaken, John, uh, continue to decline. Um, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> what, what are we going to do? You know, Republicans uh, take the House January 3rd. Uh, they're going to be faced with some difficult economic situation. That's right. In the the economy, in 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 a, in a sad way, I I'm hoping we get the recession in the first half of next year, yeah. rather than the second half, because it, you know as the old saying is, you know, the quicker you're into it, the quicker you're out of it. Um, if the recession gets delayed, which will mean that the Fed has to raise rates even more, then uh, the recession probably gets worse. If the economy actually slumps the first half of next year, it might not have to be so bad. If it gets pushed off to the second half, then I think we'll get a deeper slump, a higher unemployment rate, and people will you know, be going into another holiday season next year feeling really glum and depressed. If we get it over with in the beginning, I think that actually could be, you know, as much as I hate to say I'm hoping for a recession soon, the sooner the better in this case. Um, unemployment claims starting to creep up. That's right. Look, we've had lots of headlines with uh, people being laid off, and it really wasn't showing, you know, particularly in the tech sector. Uh, but it wasn't; it hadn't been showing up in unemployment claims at all. We're starting to see it. Still, not very many, though. I mean, it's still very mm-hmm. low. I think that number will probably climb higher in the new year when, once we get into January. Yeah, I think we're seeing the first. Um... We're seeing the first signs of that. And John Carney, uh, what um, what's the Federal Reserve going to do about this? They're going to pull back, or are they going to continue to fight inflation? I think until they see at least three months of inflation falling significantly, uh, they won't be able to pull back. So they're going to continue to fight inflation in December, probably a 50 basis point hike. And then the end of January, beginning of February is the next meeting. So basically January will be all on hold, looking at all the data, trying to figure out what's going on. And that'll be another 50 or 25 odds right now, favorite 25. But I don't think there's enough time between then and the March meeting for there to be enough data points to come in for them to actually stop hiking. So they will continue to hike at least through early spring next year, maybe even into the summer. Hmm. Do you think the Fed actually wants and is targeting a higher unemployment rate? In other words, the Phillips curve is alive and well. So 
basically they want to crunch down probably the strongest part of the economy, right? The remaining strength is in the employment. Um, unemployment, I think, is 3.7%. It's edged up slightly. But the, the Fed, basically with their crazy models, um, they're basically targeting the unemployment rate. And they're not going to be happy until it goes up. And Larry Summers is not going to be happy until it goes up. That's right. I think they are, uh, although they will not say it explicitly, I do think that they, they believe that they need to get the unemployment rate up in order to get inflation out of the economy. They, they don't have – remember, the Fed doesn't have a lot of levers to cause growth. We're not going to – you know, they can't cut taxes. They can't cut regulation. What they can do is raise interest rates. And I think they want to see the unemployment rate climb because that will bring down demand. You know, remember, it's not just people who lose their jobs who cut back on spending when unemployment – Climbs. It's the people who know people who lose, who lose their jobs, right? People become a little bit more fearful about what's happening, and that should bring down inflation. I do think we will see a little tick, a bigger tick down than expected in inflation once we get the November and December numbers. No. Because if you go out to a shopping mall right now, the level of discounting of prices is incredible. You know, there, there's a 70% off on things. That will show up in the inflation numbers. You'll see the apparel numbers, you know, way, way down. Uh, and so, we, but that could also be a head fake. Again, you know, this is discounting. This is, you know, holiday sales. And also stores probably have a little bit too much inventory, and they're trying to clear that out. So we could have, you know, good numbers in, on inflation for November and December that then ticks up again in January, and that'll scare the Fed. And they'll end up raising for even longer. Uh, what's a railroad strike going to do to this story? Or is there going to be oh, a railroad strike? I do think that there is likely going to be a railroad strike unless Congress acts. I mean, this is going to be probably a test for either the lame duck Congress or mm. uh, the incoming Republicans. They're go, you know, the Congress probably has to act. Joe Biden has shown no ability to get this deal done with the railroad unions, um, which is, you know, frankly, kind of surprising. I would have thought that, you know, he's he's a self-professed railroad fan. Um, <laughs> I would have thought that he would have had the clout with the unions to be able to, you know, bring them, you know, bring everybody to the table, get an agreement, but he can't do it. I, you know, once again, we're seeing like the guy who ran as, you know, I will bring competence back to government, you know, it, it's just completely incompetent when it comes to some of the basic tax tasks he needs to do. Well, I thought he was the union president. I thought he was the And by the way, John Carney, when you were a kid, did you have those Lionel trains? Nice Lionel train set? I had one. Love those I'm, things. You know, yeah. They, ne they never stopped. We never had wage negotiations in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John Carney, Breitbart News. Um, I want to come back and talk about the crypto crash. More terrible. The more we learn, the worse it gets. Good rundown on the economy, John. Please stick around. Folks, we'll be right back with Mr. John Carney of Breitbart News. I'm Kudlow. Stick around. We'll be right back. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We are talking with John Carney, Breitbart News Editor, Economics and Finance Editor, and co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest. By the way, folks, you should dial up the Breitbart thing. John has really made a great go of it. 
and it's extremely helpful. So, John, um, every time I read one of your posts, it gets worse. The, <laughs> the last one I'm looking at, November 22nd, the emperor had no clothes, FTX lawyer says. And uh, this guy who was running it uh, basically looks just like an ordinary run-of-the-mill crook to me, um, taking money from the exchange and putting it into his hedge fund. Now he's got this crazy woman that we're learning about. I mean, what's going on here? Where is this thing going to lead? And and is it going to spread? I mean, that's is this going to blow up the whole crypto, um, I'll call it crypto movement or crypto investment? It has the potential. So one of the things we're learning is that uh, FTX, which was one of the biggest exchanges and and by far the most respected name in cryptocurrency seems to have been a fraud they you know one of the main things you need to do if you're running one of these uh exchanges is keep track of where everybody's assets are who has what assets and what what the bankruptcy uh what we heard in the bankruptcy court last week was that they weren't keeping track of things at all that the paperwork is a mess there are billions of dollars of assets that are either missing or perhaps never existed, that they may have simply marked up people's positions, you know, told them, okay, you own this much of Bitcoin or Ethereum without actually having gone through the trouble of, you know, scouting that down and acquiring it and putting it into some sort of account for people that, that these, a lot of this appears to have been fictional and I imagine what we're going to discover is that a lot of the assets that supposedly the company had, it never really had, that the customers were basically staring at screens that gave them numbers that were totally falsified. And that uh, the problem with that is if the most respected name mm. is doing this, mm. what's everybody else up to? And that's the, where the fear and the contagion comes from is it's very, you know, there, there's None of these places really have well-audited uh, accounts, and so people just will not know, you know, can I trust that the group that tells me, you know, I have this many, this much assets really has it? People say no, so they're going to try to withdraw a lot of it. I do think there's a huge potential for a sort of run on the bank in crypto uh, that spreads far beyond just FTX. Does a run on the bank impact the banking system, or is it just limited? No, it it is it will it does seem at least right now pretty limited to crypto. The banking mm. system itself uh, was experimenting with crypto, but fortunately, pro we're probably lucky that this blew up now rather than you know a few years from now when mm. it could have potentially become more integrated in the economy. Right now, what we're seeing is, you know, we could have a collapse of a company that was once valued at $32 billion, but it really hasn't had a big impact on the real economy. I'm sure that, you know, there are some luxury cars that aren't getting sold because, you know, a guy who used to be a crypto billionaire or people who thought they were crypto billionaires no longer are. But I think uh, the for the most part, there's not a lot of real economy effect right here. What is the, co the collapse of FTX? An exchange. What does that do to uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum uh, or other, uh, you know, crypto 
I don't know what to call them, crypto monies. I mean, what does it do to them? Right. Well, so one, one of the things it does is the reason why these exchanges exist in the first place is that it is very hard to transfer, even though people talk about like it's very easy, it's actually very hard to transfer crypto. It's hard to acquire it. It's hard to transfer it from one person to another. And the reason why it's hard is because it involves uh, a kind of technical know-how that most people don't have. And so these exchanges cropped up, even though uh, it was uh, Bitcoin itself was originally supposed to eliminate middlemen. It was just going to be a peer-to-peer transfer uh, of, you know, of, a, of a digital currency. But instead, what we've seen is actually people really don't like using it that way. Uh, and so that they were using third-party intermediaries. But we're, this is showing that there is a huge problem with the convenience of the third-party intermediaries, meaning because you, you can't necessarily trust them. Uh, they're not regulated like banks or, or exchanges or brokerages or anything like that. And so, and there's no insurance. So if one goes under, you could lose it all. So let's talk about who should regulate this. I think we, frankly, I think Congress needs to act. I think that the laws that we wrote up to regulate you know, stocks and commodities back in the 1930s probably aren't capable of keeping track of how this new asset class is going to work. Hmm. So we may – and you know, I don't know if I would assign it to the SEC. The SEC has its hands full. We may need a new regulator, and I, I hesitate to say that. I don't like the idea of creating new agencies, but I think we need new laws. To directly address this rather than trying to squeeze it into, you know, is it a commodity? Is it a, uh, is it a equity? I, I'd say let's write some new laws. Congress do, should do its job and perhaps have a new agency. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't expect the SEC to run banks, right? We have the FDIC and for the really big ones, we have the Fed. We don't expect uh, the, you know, I don't think the commodities. Uh, regulators are the CFTC is really going to be able to handle this. So I say, you know, let's start from scratch and design something custom made for this asset class. Yeah, I had um, Senator Tommy Tuberville on uh, from Alabama, and he's on the Agriculture Committee, and they're going to hold hearings next week. Um, he he likes the um, CFTC Commodity Futures. I don't know that they have the expertise for this. The SEC, of course, has become, you know, the Securities and Environment Commission, right? That's all they want to do is is control your environmental impact for companies. So you're probably right, John. I think that's pretty sensible. You're going to have to design something that would have the equivalent of blue sky laws for crypto. I think that's right. And again, we haven't, you know, we redid some of the ways the banking regulation worked after the financial crisis. But generally, the, you know, the CFTC and the SEC have been around for almost 100 years now. And I don't think we should be that surprised that, you know, a new innovative financial technology isn't well fitted towards, you know, what we designed to regulate stocks and bonds 100 years ago. Let's, let's start something new. And I, and I frankly find it annoying when Congress – keeps trying not to pass a law about this. They don't want to make up their mind. They really want to just delegate it to regulators. We probably should have, you know, 
public hearing. So, you know, the a modern equivalent of a PCORA commission to, you know, discuss what happened to FTX and what needs to be done about it. Yeah. Well, stores continue. I mean, you know, you read, read, read that all these stores were taking cryptocurrencies. Um, is that still true? Are they going to cut back or does that continue? I think that's going to come to a very swift end. I haven't seen many people advertising that they're taking cryptocurrencies. <laughs> One, because it's it's way too volatile, right? Uh. Like if you accept it, if you're a store and you're accepting a cryptocurrency, but you have your, your own obligations, your own liabilities, your, your rent, your paychecks, uh, your, your, your supplies are all dire, do, dollar liabilities. So if you take cryptocurrency, you immediately have to convert it into what your liabilities are in order to just avoid the exchange risk. And so – and frankly, the only way to do that very quickly is through one of these exchanges like FTX. And now we know that those aren't safe. So mm. I think the whole ecosystem of, you know, trying to use cryptocurrency for, you know, real world applications is going to very swiftly fall apart. Yeah, I mean, both the price and the means of payment, the actual exchange <laughs> are suspect. I mean, you've got a real problem here. It doesn't fit into the normal definitions of a functioning monetary system. That's right. Uh, when you can't trust the intermediaries and you can't trust the price of the, uh, the, the, the class of assets, why would anybody take that risk? And I think that's what, one of the things we're seeing is there's not a huge use case for this. People right. don't really need this stuff. And so there's, you know, when we had a mortgage crisis in the U.S., we at least knew that people would continue to live in homes. Right. No matter what happened, there was a <laughs> rock bottom price for a home. Right. That's not the case with cryptocurrency. There's no rock bottom price. It can go to zero. There's not a end use that it can not fall below. I know you go to the store to pay for something in crypto and the thing, the thing can d depreciate 50 percent between the time you make the transaction. Anyway, John Carney of Breitbart News. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate the rundown very, very much. Be careful about crypto, folks. Be very careful about crypto. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, the great Bill Bennett, former director of the National Drug Council and secretary of education, is going to tell us why. There's a lot of virtue signaling, but there doesn't seem to be as much virtue as we would like. I'm Kudlow. We'll be back with Bill Bennett. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. 